Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast, the official podcast of FilmPulse.net. This is episode number 127. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we have Kevin Rakestraw. How are you doing, Kevin? Doing, I'm doing pretty good. Good? Yeah. Good to hear. Right? Excited uh, with all this Comic-Con news coming out? Nope. Guardians of the Galaxy 2... People got to see some Avengers 2 footage, and they're freaking out, and Mad Max. Is, is everyone, like, just losing their shit right now? It seems so. like there's a lot of minds being blown oh, over there man. in San Diego. It's gotta be a bitch to clean up. Probably. I don't know. I Honestly, I don't know anything about Comic-Con. Comic-Con. Well, we do have a writer there, Ernie, but since we don't cover a whole lot of those types of things on the site uh, probably won't have a lot of coverage because it's like one of those things where I find it annoying when there's like 10 sites that post the exact same news at the exact same time and it's like so it's like for a smaller site like ours it's like what's the point it's it hardly seems like it's going to be necessary to be putting this information up so it seems like an awful event just from what I've read or heard well when when Ernie goes he camps out and from what I read that's like the norm like you have to camp out he uh there was a picture I saw on Twitter of people that were camped out yesterday at or maybe it was Friday at like 1pm for the next day at like 4 like they, they're there 36 hours prior. For what? To get that. For what? To get that five-minute clip of Fury Road, man. Of what? Mad Max. <laughs> oh, is that what? Is that what? Mm-hmm. That's the subtitle. Oh. oh man, that's awesome. Oh, that's so exciting. To get those exclusive first looks at Ant Man and. Oh boy. It's like, I'm excited for all those movies, but... but they're not coming out for, like, a year. They're not coming they're out like for a year. year. And a they're not coming out for a year, and you know that the news is gonna get tweeted out as soon as James Gunn opens his mouth and says that he's directing Guardians of the Galaxy 2. It's like... And, and I really don't care to see a five-minute clip of a movie. I'd rather see it in the theater. You know? Correct. Anyway, we have, a, we have a great show lined up for you this week. We're going to be doing two reviews. First up, we'll be talking about Zach Braff's Wish I Was Here. We're going to follow that up with a Fantasia Fest movie, Why Monster Boy. Oh, yeah. And finally, we're going to go over this week's movie predictions, new on video on demand, and DVD and Blu-ray releases. But first, let's talk about something we've been watching. Kevin, so you go ahead and kick it off this week. Oh, okay. All right. I watched the, I guess it's his debut, Mr. Pascal Logier. I have no idea how to pronounce that last name. The guy that did Martyrs. Mm-hmm. That's that's easier. <laughs> that's e- that's an easier way of going about that. Uh, House of Voices is the name of this movie. Have you seen this? Have you seen House of Voices? Uh, I saw part of it, but I I never I never. turned it off. Like I never <laughs> finished it. <laughs> that's what I did. I did the same thing. Oh, really? Okay. I stopped it. And then two days later, it was like, you know what? Let's just finish this. Let's see if it gets any better. Because I think I made it about 40 minutes in the first time around. First go around. 40 minutes. Right? 
And not once did it scare me. But not only did it not scare me, it didn't even try. Like, there was no attempt whatsoever. It was just, I don't even know what it was. It's just about a girl that comes to an orphanage when all the kids, for some reason, all the kids get adopted at the same time and leaving buses. I don't know how that works. But all the kids are gone, and she's left with, like, two or one of the workers and another girl that's never been adopted because she's weird. And they do nothing. Like, you find out that she's pregnant, and that's about it. And then the other girl says that she can see dead children. So they try and find these dead children just walking around the house, whatever. And nothing happens ever until the very end. He tries to go for some, like, creepy imagery, and it works, but it's only there for at most one second, and then the movie's over. And I'm so confused as to what the hell this is. Hmm. I don't know what it is. If it's a ghost story, it's a terrible ghost story. If it's a horror film, it's one of the worst horror films I've ever seen in my life. There's just, there's really nothing going for it at all. <clears throat> and then occasionally he'll just, you know, for no reason, just let's show some nudity. Like halfway through the film, it just pauses. So the girl takes a shower with no shower curtain. <laughs> and like, and that's it. That's it. Uh, and then it just moves on to the next thing. And I'm like, why did I have to see her shower? I don't, I don't use a shower curtain. <laughs> shower curtains are so passe these days. I'm just like, what? And it's very bizarre because when, if you didn't know and you're watching the movie, you're thinking, oh, this takes place in like the 20s or mm-hmm. something. But it's supposed to be taking place in like the early 60s. Hmm. But it doesn't look it at all. It's just, I. it's terrible. It's so unbelievably terrible. Wow. And, then, and another thing is they're all speaking English, but it's a French movie. I don't know why they're speaking English. That confused me. And it just rubbed me the wrong way for some reason. But there is one instance where it's like a build-up to a jump scare, and you're like, oh, my God, finally, it's been 55 minutes. We're going to get a jump scare. Here we go. And open the door to reveal box kittens. <laughs> so I thought that was actually pretty cool because it was like kittens awesome that was the best point that was the high point of the movie was those kittens the kittens are then later drowned but oh, of course <laughs> but for the few seconds that they were on the screen this movie was awesome and then it went back to being shit hmm. well, so I do not recommend this at all just stay far away as possible I is- feel it's I a bummer because like... I actually liked Martyrs. I loved the his, oh yeah the narrative structure of that. It was so interesting, and I thought that he was you know he was going to do something really inventive with this one. But it's just straightforward terribleness. It's just awful. Yeah, Martyrs is on my top one hundred horror movie list. I but definitely I mean, like if you watch this, there he doesn't even go for jump scares or creepy atmosphere or anything. Nothing. It's, it's why it left me so confused. Yeah, and on Letterboxd, it seems like it's people. some people are really liking it and some people are hating it. I'm just, Scores are all over the place on this one. I'm not sure if I just missed something. Probably not. Nothing, there's nothing going on here. Uh, I saw a movie that, first of all, I will say that most of what I saw this week was at Fantasia Fest. Awesome. Uh, so, so some of these are not out. Some of them you can import. Um, but the one that I saw 
was called Gun Woman. I actually saw this a couple weeks ago. I just never talked about it. I figured I should mention it just because it's so ridiculous. Um, it it stars Asami, who is she's pretty famous over in Japan. And she does a lot of the movies like uh, Zombie Ass, Toilet of the Dead. She was a Machine <laughs> Girl. She was in Dead Sushi. She's in a ton of these kind of gory. I don't know what you would call the the genre, but like the super gory kind of uh, sexually charged horror movies over there in Japan. Like she was in a series of movies called Rape Zombie. I was Lust just the gonna Dead. say there's a movie called Rape Zombie. Well, there's not just one movie. I believe there's five of them. Oh my god, I do enjoy that on IMDb. If you enjoy Gun Woman, people also liked sx underscore tape uh well just i didn't see sx underscore tape but judging from what ryan was saying this is nothing like that so basically this is a pretty typical revenge story and it's designed the way that it's structured and the way that it's shot is supposed to be like a throwback 70s revenge film Mm -hmm. and it's about this guy uh this doctor who his wife gets raped and murdered in front of his face by the this evil um Mm -hmm. this evil like rich guy and what he does is he hatches this plan to get revenge and kill him Uh, but the guy is heavily guarded because he's very wealthy and he has uh, a lot of people around him a lot of security so he buys this prostitute who is a drug addict that's she the, the drug addict's played by asami and he yeah. kind of molds her and trains her to be this assassin. Ooh. And the only way that they can get to him is by, I guess, every so often he goes out to the desert. And there's this secret club out there for rich people that is designed to let rich people have sex with dead people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Necrophilia. Oh, okay. Yeah, this guy's like super twisted super evil and Lord have mercy. the plan is to get asami to pose as a corpse have her delivered to this club and then wake up inside the club and kill every single person in it and there's no guns allowed in this club for anyone mm. except well, a few yeah. security guards. You never mix guns and necrophilia. That's just recipe for disaster. It it is an accident waiting to happen for sure. <laughs> so what so what they do is they disassemble her gun and they sur- surgically put the gun inside of her. Okay. So they cut her open, put the pieces of the gun inside of her. Seems you like can, a lot of work, but you can sure. probably imagine where the clip goes. Oh. And- <laughs> And oh, oh boy. she wakes up, rips out the stitches with her hands, mm-hmm, pulls mm-hmm. the guns, <laughs> gun parts out of her body, puts it together and murders everyone. Okay. The sequence is pretty long and she's completely naked the entire time because she was basically a corpse on a slab. Wow. It's ridiculous. It is wow. completely over the top in every way, ridiculously gory and bloody i mean gallons of blood in this movie and it's it's fun but the problem i have with a lot of these movies is that they just feel dirty like 
it's such a nasty, gross movie that it's hard to be like, yeah, you know? (laughs) This is awesome. Because there's just just such nasty themes in it, like raping and like how how she was a drug addict and they kept her addicted to drugs because they wanted to sell her. So there's like all these really dark themes in it. Just terrible, terrible things. It's, oh man. But it does have Asami kicking a lot of dudes' asses and one woman. And one woman. Yeah, the one person that works at this club is a woman. Hmm. It's, I find it odd that Tetsuya Nakada is in this. Mm-hmm. That's that's confusing. It's um <laughs> I just I wanna know what people are think like when when this director's like, alright, this is my my idea for my next movie and he goes through it. I just wonder what people's reactions are. I don't know. If you like these old school kind of rape revenge movies, then maybe it's worth checking out. I do have a full review for it up on the site, so you can go ahead and check that out. If you're interested, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> no, I. It's definitely not a Kevin movie. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't necessarily can't say it's an Adam movie stuff. either. I can't get into that kind of stuff. I can get into killing Nazi zombies, and I got really into it with Dead yep. Snow. I watched some Dead Snow this weekend, and it takes a while. I gotta say, it takes a while to get started. It was it was kind of losing me, but then once the Nazi zombies show up. <laughs> Shit gets real, and it just goes balls to the wall, and it's nonstop, and it's hilarious. It's the way that it's structured is is much like a <laughs> typical slasher movie. That's why there's Correct. all the setup Correct. at the beginning with them. I know, and I I'm, I'm not a big you know what I mean. I know what they're doing, and I know they're kind of like spoofing mm-hmm. and sort of making fun of these the genre and everything, and and it's. It's kind of fun, but at the same time, I'm like, all right, I want like an actual movie. Let's get going here. It seemed they, they just took a bit too much time doing mm-hmm. that build up yeah, stuff. And it's, you know, they were having fun with it. Sure. The only thing that I did enjoy out of that whole <clears throat> build up was the, the ridiculous montage of the guy snow scooting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God, doing some snow scooting and how they would cut back to like them eating hot mm-hmm. dogs and just laughing about and things get silly with mustard and. Oh my god, they're having so mm-hmm. much fun. Oh yeah, they're just having so a ball. much fun with it. I just the fact that they call it snow scootering for some reason. I just thought that that was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and then the, the zombies show up, right? And I love the fact that these zombies are completely different than any zombies you've seen before. Number one, they don't seem to be interested in brains at all. Like they never eat people. It seems like. I think there's only like one scene when they were eating someone. I mean, when they take that one guy and rip him out of the house, they leave the brain behind and they don't really seem to care about Mm -hmm. it. They're super fast. They're pretty damn smart. At least smarter than these medical students. (laughs) (laughs) Which, do we believe that any of those were medical students? I mean, my God. There's no way. Maybe Martin. Maybe Martin. And I'm glad that you said that because when he amputates his arm, that is one of the funniest things I've seen <laughs> so far this year. Just the ridiculous noises that he was making while he's cutting his arm off. And then afterwards, 
the noises that he was making and how he kept cutting back to the other guy's face. Mm-hmm. Just the, the just the look on that guy's <laughs> face. Because <laughs> uh, the other thing seemed to be, like, did it, did any of them actually know that you would turn into a zombie? I, I thought it was fun how they just seemed to pull that yeah. from pop culture. But none of them actually seemed to turn into zombies because it looked like the Nazis don't really give you a chance to. They just rip your body apart. Well, they never... For whatever reason. I don't want to... Do they think that, like, the Nazi gold's inside their body? And that's why they just rip it apart? I think they're just angry. (laughs) I think they're just angry (laughs) and they want to kill. (laughs) It's so ridiculous. And uh, the the fact that the guy stumbles upon the cave while snow-scootering, finds the Nazis, fights a couple off, and then attaches the machine gun to his snow-scooter, and then comes back... And the fact that they have a conversation, like, in the midst of this zombie massacre, they're talking to each other like, hey, what have you been up to? <laughs> it's like, oh, I've been busy. <laughs> it's just like, where'd you get the machine gun? Just, this is, this is too much fun, really. There's no reason that this movie should be so much fun. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I, I'm a big fan of it. I, I, and the fact that anytime that anyone bump into something, just automatically intestines are out <laughs> like the guy just bumps into a tree intestines out <laughs> just why why are intestines everywhere definitely a uh, <sighs> definitely a gory movie yes oh it gets ridiculous at the end there's just why are the zombies bleeding that much like i don't you know they've been in the snow-covered mountains for the last 60 years i don't think that they would have that much blood but they do and it goes everywhere all <laughs> over the place just everywhere. Tiny chainsaws. Just I love when they, they introduce mm-hmm. the tiny mm-hmm. chainsaw. <laughs> oh, I just want to watch that entire sequence over and over again. It's so ridiculous. Martin cutting his arm off. This is another example of a, a foreign director coming over to the United States with, you know, big aspirations and then something happening because Hansel and Gretel is, is not a good movie it's not anything like this and well i gotta imagine that he was probably his creativity was more than likely oh which is like i don't understand this with you know studios well like why bring foreign directors over number one you want to bring them over because they saw something creativity yeah their other movies and you enjoyed you love their voice and what they had to say and what they did with the visuals and everything. So why bring them over and not allow them to do that? Why try and cram them into your formula? Like, what's yeah. the point of Why don't it? you just hire it some random s- jobber? Yeah, exactly. There's plenty of jobbers around. I don't know. It just, I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. It just seems like a huge waste of time. I was glad to see that he still made Dead Snow 2 after... Hansel and Gretel, though, because that shows me that not only was Dead Snow 1 not kind of just a flash in the pan, but it showed that it didn't kill his career, that other movie. Yeah. And I I look forward to it. I look forward to Dead Snow 2. Can't wait. I think you'll like it. It's a lot different. It's It's more gory. It's more over the top. It's more goofy. I just that's all I needed to hear that it's more goofy that's all that's what I want you know what I mean I don't want it gets a movie that takes Nazi zombies yeah seriously. it gets a little it's the last thing I need I think that some parts are a little too 
too goofy in the second one but does martin does martin just make a bunch of noises he, do, he makes a lot of noises because the whole movie he's <laughs> the main character that's, so yeah that's all that's all i need to it hear focuses sign it, me up already. yeah it pretty much focuses on martin and the terrible things that happen to martin <laughs> oh poor martin I'm, I'm gonna miss i'm gonna miss roy's face though yeah i'm gonna miss his face because it's just the, the the look on his face throughout when everything mm-hmm. goes 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 to shit, it's just it's fantastic. Oh, so much fun to be had with Dead Snow. I saw a fun one called Suburban Gothic, and this yeah. is this screened right. at Fantasia Fest as well. Directed by Richard Bates Jr., who directed Excision, which was one of my top ten horror movies of 2013, I think. No, 2012. Sorry. I do, I do remember you liking that one quite a bit. Isn't that the one where John Waters plays a priest? Yeah. Well, he's in the, John Waters is in this one too. Nice. Does he play? A priest no, he again? plays a uh, historical, um, <laughs> like a historian, like a local historian. <laughs> yes. yes. And that, that was the thing about this movie. It's a lot different than Excision, whereas Excision is a fairly straightforward horror movie this one is so excision was a horror movie with comedic elements whereas this one is a comedy with horror elements he kind of he kind of switched the genres around and it stars uh matthew gray goobler and cat dennings i don't really like cat dennings i realized that in this movie (laughs) i thought i liked her and then i realized like i'm not a big fan of hers but the the best part about this movie is he gets all these cameos like he has like ray ray wise plays the father and he's fantastic in it he is yes it's the most ray wise you will ever see he he is so ridiculous in this movie sally kirkland's in it jeffrey combs who you know him right from like reanimator and yeah yeah uh the the saska twins are in it all these little horror cameos so fans of that genre will have a lot to like with all the quirky little cameos it's a really weird movie the way that it's shot it's kind of it's just super saturated with all these like really bright vibrant colors it kind of gives you because the whole premise is it's about this kid who graduates from college he can't find a job runs out of money and has to move in with his parents who are crazy. And the thing about him is that he has the ability to see spirits. Oh, okay. All right. And what happens is the father is getting some work done on the house and they're digging up the backyard that the contractors, the landscapers dig up a body. <laughs> they find a body of a child in their yard and instead of like calling the police or telling anyone about it the one guy steals a necklace off the child and then oh, just that's the last thing yeah and then reburies it um oh which causes uh, disruption in the spirit world you could say of course it's not very scary the effects work is pretty bad there's a lot of kind of not so good cg in this but mm. it, that really wasn't enough to bring it down. The dialogue is very funny. 
very funny in this. Surprisingly so. Lots of kind of it's kind of a dry humor to it. The, the kind that yeah. we like. That's it. That's it. It sounds pretty interesting. It is. You you probably it's it's not really for you. Oh. I don't think. Fine. Whatever. <laughs> I was gonna watch it, but now I'm not. Yeah, I I don't I don't see you liking it, but. I do, since I did like Excision, and now I do like this, I'm going to keep my eye out on this Richard Bates Jr. fella. <laughs> Sounds like you're you're becoming quite the fan. So you learned that you're a Richard Bates Jr. fan, but not a fan of Cat Dennis. Correct, that is correct. So you you dropped one and gained one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. pretty good. That's good. That's solid. Yeah. Fantastic. So, I, watched, I watched a bizarre film from the 80s, Canadian film from 1987 called i've heard the mermaid singing never heard of it i never heard of it either i don't know my wife stumbled upon this one and then sure enough boom pops up on netflix we end up watching it which is kind of odd because the title comes from t.s Eliot's poem the love song of j alfred prufrock and then while i was watching wish i was here there's that whole sequence where the daughter like uh, recites a poem and i was like oh what what is that poem from it's from the same damn poem from T.S. Eliot. So in one day, I watched hmm. two movies that center around T.S. Eliot's The Love Song of J. Alfred Prufrock. I don't know how the hell that happened, but that's really bizarre to me. Now, the movie, I've heard the mermaid sing. This is the debut of Patricia Rosema, who went on to do like the Kit Ketteridge movies. What are those called? With Abigail Breslin? You know what I'm talking nope. about? I know. It's, I, I'm, Ketteridge? Like, I was, oh, Kit, Kit, yes. Kitridge. Is, Kit, Kit yeah, Ridge? well, she, she, I think called? she's like, yeah. th- that's um, uh, yeah. based on the American Girl dolls. Yeah, that, this is the same director, okay? Same director. She also did a Mansfield, Mansfield Park, if you remember that one. I didn't see it. Back in the 90s. So this is really odd that I watched this one. It's uh, two, two weeks in a row that you were watching movies by romantic comedy family directors yeah now this one is not romantic comedy at all this is a very bizarre film about Polly, played by sheila mccarthy who's fantastic in this movie she is completely scatterbrained she's really awkward in social interactions she's just overall a very bizarre person she finally gets a job as a secretary at an art gallery now, as this story's playing out, she's narrating what's happened, what's happening through uh, like a video camcorder that she has at home. So it cuts between the two. <clears throat> so you have like the nice look of the film, and then you have this shitty low quality video camcorder footage that it's cutting between. And she's just she's terrible at her job, but they keep her on for whatever reason. And Time after time, she has all these weird social interactions with her boss and everything, and she's just a very odd person. She sort of feels like she reminded me a lot of Liz Lemon, the Lim, the Liz Lemon mm-hmm. character from Thirty Rock. So, and then in her free time, she follows people around Toronto, taking pictures of them, like black and white photos with her camera. So every time that the film sort of follows her around Toronto, when she takes a picture, the the film will freeze frame and then go to black and white to show you what she just took a picture of. And then she gets excited and sends her pictures under like a pseudonym or a pseudonym to 
the art gallery that she works for just to see what happens because she thinks her boss will like it. Turns out boss hates it. And she sort of comes unhinged a little bit. Hmm. And it ends up with her like a slow, this awesome slow motion shot of her throwing hot tea at someone. And then you think the movie's mm-hmm. over. You, th- you just think it's over. The credits start rolling. But then the movie keeps going and it intercuts between the credits and the rest of the film. And then it just ends with this bizarre, she like opens up a door and just walks out into the wilderness. There's like a room in her house that's just the wilderness. It's very odd. It had this like David Lynch feel to it, but it not like a sinister mm-hmm. tone, just in its sort of in its bizarreness. It was it's a very odd movie, very peculiar, but I enjoyed it because there's a lot of experimentation with the visuals, which I thoroughly enjoy. Plus, it's the '80s. My God, you should see the shirts in this <laughs> movie. I don't understand what they were doing with shirts in the '80s, but whoever came up with these ideas to have these like parachute shirts. <laughs> The puffy was, shirt. Yeah, which it has to be the worst idea that has ever come to fruition. I don't know how we let that happen as a society. And then we wore them, and we thought it was cool. I love the 80s. It's got a great 80s soundtrack, too. And it's like a mixture of 80s synth music and like classical music. Hmm. It's very odd. The whole movie is just odd. Yeah. But I, I recommend it. It's, it's a fun I'm experience. I'm not going to see that. You settle into 80s weirdness, okay? From Canada, goddammit. I saw... From the woman that went on to make those Kit Ketteridge movies. American Girl dolls, dude. <laughs> I was so confused. Because I'm like, who is this woman? She had to, you know, go on to have this, you know, really bizarre career of great movies that I need to unearth. And she did, but it's bizarre in the other way. Mm-hmm. It's I'm so confused. I'm just confused constantly. Your life is just full of confusion. It's just a constant state of confusion. Now, speaking of experimental films, I saw an experimental documentary called Teenage. Okay. It's directed by Matt Wolf. I'm 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 interested in this movie, so I'm a, I liked it. I'm looking forward to see what you have so, to say here. I liked it overall. It is structured much like a Ken Burns documentary where There are actors that are reading diary entries and journal entries from teenagers back in the early, um, like, I think it starts in the 20s, and it goes all the way up until the, at the end of World War II and into the 50s, but, and I feel like that this may be the start of a series, because I think that there's more to it, I, I think the they have more to talk about but it was interesting because i always knew the term teenager like i I thought that that was just a common term used but it really the term wasn't even coined until the 50s okay the 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 concept of the teenager never really existed until then it was either you were a child or you were an adult there was never this middle area and this Uh movie explores the creation of that middle part of our lives and the way that they do it is they show a lot of archival footage which is really cool and interesting they it looks like they some of the stuff they colorize some of the stuff they kind of restore so it looks really good but then what they do is they kind of fill in the gaps 
with recreated footage using actors. Okay. And the uh-huh. the process is fairly seamless. A lot of times I had a hard time differentiating between what was old footage and what was new footage. So he did a really good job of recreating that kind of grainy black and white Super 8 camera look. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when I did notice that it was a recreation, it instantly pulled me out of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like there are there are a couple actors, uh, specifically Jenna Malone, who I know, you know, she's she was in Donnie Darko and um Yeah. So when she pops yeah, up, so, it's so like of... when I see her, I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Wait a second. It seems kinda unnecessary. Yeah, I that's why that's Just why for, I said it's you know, kind of an experiment. You explain it a little bit. Okay. Some of it worked, some of it didn't work. The the story was somewhat scattered, so in one instance, they'd be talking about kind of the broad strokes of the teenage movement and how the teenage movement came to be and some of the people, some of the, the young people that sort of spearheaded this this whole concept and what was happening in America with World War II and things like that. Uh, but then they would switch and, and kind of get into specific aspects of certain people's lives and it would switch gears and follow just one person and showing like their experience. So it felt a little disjointed. It felt a little scattered overall. It was still interesting, but I just don't think that it, that it all completely worked. It looked really good. And I got to say, I'm really loving all the posters and marketing material for this movie as well. I do. I do thoroughly enjoy that. Yeah. Both posters. Actually. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of really good artwork that comes along with this movie. So I will give it a light recommend. If you really hate Ken Burns documentaries, uh, <laughs> you might want to stay away from it because it is actors narrating or reading um, journal entries and things like that. And I know that some people have a problem with that. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. <laughs> but my dad was visiting from Pennsylvania this week and... He watched it with me, and he really liked it. So, yeah, yeah. I, right. I, I light recommend. Oscilloscope is putting this out. Oscilloscope. Ah, Haven't heard about them in a long time. Yeah, they they've been having some good stuff. I, I like I like most Maybe. of their stuff. They do some, they do some interesting things. Mm-hmm. Give them that. They have a very specific style, whereas Draft House Films puts out all kinds of different movies and styles. Oscilloscope, if you w- look at their catalog and you watch some of their movies, like back-to-back, they all have a very similar style to them. Uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about? No, I'm good. Okay. I'm good. Let's go ahead and get into our first review. Wish I Was Here. This is directed by Zach Braff, star Zach Braff, uh, <laughs> Kate Hudson, Josh Gad. Where's, oh, Mandy Patinkin. That's who I was trying to think of. Yeah. Uh, I have a synopsis here. Aiden Bloom is a 35-year-old man who finds himself at major crossroads. I think it should be at a major crossroads, which forces him to examine his life, his career, and his family. Now, I find it odd that you saw this movie at all, because I predicted a few weeks ago that you would hate this movie. It was a compromised watch. I I mean, I kind of liked Garden State. I didn't really mind it too much. 
And now, let me just, it, let me pause you there. Okay. I remember back when we were younger and Garden State came out, we both loved that movie. We did. We did. And it does still hold a kind of special place in my heart. It's, I think it was, me and my wife went, I think it was like our third date or fourth date. So, you know, it's got it's got some history to it. And But I'm talking about, you know, I went back and I revisited it and I was just like, oh, goodness. This is, this is so much. And I mean, you know, you're in the middle of a relationship, so everything's awesome. But uh, I do, I don't mind Zach Braff that much. I think he does get a bit shit on and he doesn't really need to be shit on that much, I think. I think it's kind of unfair that people single him out just because it, it feels like they just think it's cool. Oh, they hate on, him. The shit on Zach Braff. Yeah, and I, that's something I never really got. Like, why do I don't understand why people hate him so much? Because there's so many other people that make more, you know, things that are much worse than this. At least these are they're coming from a good place. You know what I mean? I agree. He's I, mm-hmm. like he's not a dick. He's trying to say nice things, and then he gets shit on. And especially the thing that I don't understand is the whole what was it Kickstarter. Or was it Indiegogo that he won? It was yeah, it was Kickstarter. It was Kickstarter. Like, don't get mad at him for that. Like, he won on Kickstarter. He asked for money. People fucking gave it to him. It's not his fault. People were giving him money. Blame I think the people the, were angry that blame all the he asked that, for money. But people, if people want to give it to him, and obviously they did, they gave it to him. They wanted to see the movie made. So it's to me, it's not really his fault. I would be more upset at the people who gave him money. People were more upset because this movie premiered at Sundance and it immediately sold to, I think it was like IFC or something for uh, a large amount of money. So people were even more angry that that happened. But it's like, what do you expect? Yeah. I mean, what do you expect? That's how it works. Did you, I mean, did you think yep. he was going to share that money with you? Like, did you honestly think that? <laughs> you were going to get your money <laughs> yeah, back like with, somehow? Do you think he was going to come around and scoop all of you up and like a new Aston Martin and whisk you off to Hollywood so you could have careers in the movie business. The Kickstarter, the Kickstarter campaign was to raise funds to make the movie, you know, and, and that's what it went to. It's not like he pocketed all of it. <laughs> it just was just like peace. It just skipped town. Suckers. No, he gave you a movie that you asked for. So what? And it was, bitching. If, if for fans of Garden State that contributed to that <clears throat> campaign, it was pretty much exactly what they could have wanted, mm-hmm. at least in my opinion. Pretty much, yeah. I think it's now it we'll was say a bit, it was a bit much. It was a bit more than Garden State. It was a lot tougher well, to handle. The, the the thing about it is that there are a lot more things going on in this movie. So there's there's death and family and money and, and all this stuff that you have to deal with when you're older whereas garden state you know, he's in his 20s all he was dealing with was being aimless in life and not being able to find your path and you know falling in love like that stuff's simple yeah. when you look back when you look back at it you're like man shit was easy back then Shit's always easy life is easy no i'm joking it's not <laughs> yeah, I'll, yeah I'll, I'll probably not agree with you <laughs> but the thing about this movie is i see i see it for what it's trying to do and i'm okay with it i'm i'm fine with it it was yes it was 
emotionally manipulative. It was sappy. It was cheesy. But when I saw this in the theater, I was just, I was buying into it. I was just blindly buying into it. Say, I, I, I have a tough time with it. And I feel like a dick. I do. Because you can tell that it's a personal story. I mean, he co-wrote mm-hmm. with his brother. You can tell that there's, he has a lot invested in the story that he's trying to tell. And he's trying to dole out these life lessons and with this voiceover and he's trying to figure everything out and give you this wonderful insight and just all of it made my eyes roll because it was all awful. And it's just, it was too much. I ke- he kept beating me down with it. Like in the beginning, you know, like the first half of the film, I was pretty much with him. I was like, yeah, you know, it is emotionally manipulative. It is extremely sappy, overly so. The music's just one emotional cue after another like every oh like yeah every oh Slo- my god cue cue the uh cue the slow motion yeah. with the, the the indie song playing like after every single emotional scene or you know where he's trying to deliver this like heartfelt message you knew when that scene was about the end because the music would just fade in mm-hmm. and it's like oh shit it's about to come to a really great end Everything's going to get wrapped up in a bow and they'll move on to the next scene. And I just couldn't take it anymore. Like in the beginning, it was okay because in mixed in there, he at least had some these little scenes where they did feel like really authentic and there was like an honesty to it. But then it was just like shoved out of the way for this just grandiose manipulative sequence that just, oh my goodness. I just couldn't handle it after a while. I couldn't take it anymore. He beat me down. He, he I could. Me down. Zach Braff won me down. I, comp- I completely drank the Kool-Aid with this one. Did it taste good at least? Yeah, it was good. It was like the, cher- the, the, the cherry, the cherry, you know, the regular, the good, the good stuff. Ah, <laughs> uh, it was, I mean, the, there was parts that were funny. I do enjoy Braff's humor, but he's just the emotional stuff. I just don't think he can, he can do it. One thing that I wasn't a fan of in this was the the fantasy sequences. Yeah, those seemed unnecessary. They, yeah, they didn't really I, add I didn't, anything to the movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I really wasn't into that. Like, I get it. But... You thought you were heroes when you were kids. We all think that. Like, we all think we're awesome and we're going to do stuff. How old are you now, Zach Braff? Were you, like, 30-something? 35. 35? Get it together. And I just thought it was funny because he kept saying, like, how he's chasing his dream to be an actor and it just didn't really seem like he was trying that hard <laughs> you know and they really no. talked about him like doing a dancer commercial and that was it it's like no, you're not really you don't really seem to be trying to be an actor you're just sort of well, seems like you're goofing off yeah i enjoyed the kids i thought the kids were great especially yeah, the kids were great I, lo- I love the the scenes involving him trying to homeschool them yeah <laughs> like I like when Grace became the teacher, started teaching mm-hmm. about triangles. <laughs> I enjoyed that. Uh, Kate Hudson really didn't have anything to do. No, no. And it was very perplexing to see her making breakfast with high heels on. Like, who the fuck does No one does that. Stop it. Apparently Kate Hudson does. I doubt it. Before she heads to work. <laughs> and that whole sideline story of her... Yep, not, with the, not into yeah, that. Yeah, with the guy at work that... For some reason, makes his penis talk. Like that just seems wholly out of place when you're trying to go for the emotional jugular mm-hmm. to have these story, to have you know, have that kind of storyline in there. It's just stupid. 
And then the whole I, Comic-Con thing, just, that was the last straw for me. That was pandering. <clears throat> oh, my God. That was some goodness. serious pandering. But, you know, I liked Josh Gad's character as the brother in this. I liked him. I did enjoy him, too. But I did find it, like, his, his costume was shit. His costume was shit. It was fine. It was shit. I don't costume. think I'd be able to make that costume. I don't think probably. that costume would have won. Do you? Do you think that costume would have won? Well, I think it was the group that won, oh, the whole not group. just his costume. Yeah. Where did he come up with friends? He didn't have friends. He had online friends. Oh, that's right. I forgot about online friends. I forgot all. <laughs> and then the uh, the uh, the whole the whole religious angle rubbed me the wrong way too. It's just such a simplistic view of everything. It's too much. There's no complexity at all. I pretty much forgot all the religious stuff, except for the stuff involving the daughter. It's just one contrived scene after another. Oh, I hated it. Straight up. I gave it a seven and a half. I hated it. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't feel the need to defend this movie. I, don't. <laughs> I was going to say, I hope you don't. No, I, I don't feel the need to defend this movie. I, I, I enjoyed it. It struck an emotional chord with me. I found it to be... I found myself being very emotional watching this movie. And that was because I just bought into it. I think that with movies like this, you're either on board or you're not. And if if I went into this movie with... um, I I already went into it excited. Like, I I was on board before I even went into it. Because I didn't know... I really didn't know anything about it. Because I saw this at Sundance, so I went into it completely cold. I had, there were no opinions being thrown around, so I was already excited about it. And because I was on board from the onset, I was able to just, you know, let myself go get, get and be whisked, affected by this movie. Away. Whereas there are some movies that are like this that I'll see. Normally, I don't even watch movies like this truth be told but sometimes there'll be a movie that comes out like this and i'll be in your camp and i'll be like i was not on board from the beginning i did not like it i thought that it was you know trying to trying too hard to evoke an emotional response from me but sometimes it works sometimes it hits you sometimes it gets you sometimes strikes a chord and you just you just go on yeah Gets gets right there in that heart. Gets that heart. Gets that heart muscle. I mean, I, I think that what you're trying to say is that you're you're a Braff fanboy, right? Mm-mm. Is that what you're getting at? No, I yeah, I I knew that I wasn't gonna really enjoy it that much. I mean, I'm not kidding myself here. Didn't have high expectations. It just like I said, he wore me down with all that sentimentality and contrived scenes and stuff. But like I said at the beginning, is there's worse stuff out there. I mean, at least this comes from a good place. You know what I mean? Like, he's being mm-hmm. nice. He's saying nice things. It's just too simplistic of a worldview for me. But for him, you know, that's fine. I just don't understand all the hate and vitriol for a guy that's just saying nice things. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, th- this is what I don't understand. Like, what... He only made one other movie. I know. So why why <laughs> why is there shit? Why do people not like him? I, because he only made one other movie. I mean, he's been in stuff. Yeah, I, it's that's it's something that confuses me a bit. I don't 
And I honest, I honestly think that it's just the in thing to do. Like everyone just, you know, one person starts and then another person starts and, you know, they're like, oh, this is kind of fun shitting on this guy. I like it. And then everyone's just mm. like, oh, you know, where do we stand on Zach Braff right now? Oh, we hate. Oh, we don't like. We him? don't. We don't right. like him when we shit on him constantly. Okay, good, good. Let me take to Twitter. <laughs> let me let me jump in there and shit on a guy that made two movies that say nice things and, and shit on a guy that that had one of the most successful uh, Kickstarter campaigns ever. Yeah, made like three million dollars off Kickstarter, yeah. and I gave him fifty bucks. What an asshole. I would love to. I would love to talk to Zach Braff in in just like. A candid sense like not recording or anything just be like D- so what do, you, what do you think of these naysayers and i bet he's just like man fuck them i'm rich yeah exactly but i also think that people that are really harsh on this movie because of him that probably hurts well, because like you yeah, said I... this feels this does feel like a deeply personal movie and that's kind of what i said on letterboxd like i'm i put myself in that situation let's say me and my brother we're making a movie about my dad dying. Like, yeah, more than likely, me and my brother would make it into this, like, grandiose spectacle where it's just unbelievably cinematic and overly emotional because it's, you know, deeply personal to us. It's our dad dying mm-hmm. and we're brothers and we're making a movie about it. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a bit much. So I completely understand where him and his brother are coming from. I would probably do the same exact thing. Yep. All right. What are you going to give Wish I Was Here on that note? (laughs) (laughs) I'll give it a three. (laughs) Oh, my. I have a review. I wrote the review for that, and it's up on the site now if you want to check that out. Our next movie, which you wrote a review for, is called Why a Monster Boy. Uh, This is is a South Korean film directed by Jun Hwan Jang who previously did a movie that you and I were a big fan of called Save the Green Planet. Ages ago. Came out in 2003. Ages ago. Yeah, I kind of forgot that this guy even existed. I did too. And when I found out that this was the same director, I was immediately like, oh, I wonder what other movies he's, he's made since then. Mm-hmm. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing is the only one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember when we posted the trailer for this like a long time ago and I was like extremely excited for it because let me me read the synopsis here. A boy with five fathers who is attached to the criminal underworld. That's, that's an entire sentence. A sinister past is about to be revealed as he is forced to join the killing spree. That doesn't really, really that doesn't do a good job of actually summing up this movie. Uh, so it is about a boy who sort of grows up in this criminal family and it is five guys. So uh, I'll give it that, but there's much more to it. It's much more complex than that. Yeah. There's, there's and some complexities to it. That's for sure. So basically the, the premises at the beginning of the film, these five guys kidnap a small child, hold him for ransom. It goes sour and they end up keeping the child and raising him as their own. And then we jump, what was it, 10 years? Yeah, something like, like 10, 13 years. More than that. Probably, probably more than that, even. It jumps forward. He's like, he's in high school. I think he was ready to go to college, right? He's thinking about, yeah, because he was thinking about going to some art school. 
Yeah. And some of his fathers are cool with that and they want him to spread his wings and some of them want him to join the family business which involves murdering people and various other terrible terrible things so you have a review for this up on the site i'll kick it off kick it and say that i really enjoyed this movie i had a lot of fun with this movie i thought visually looked awesome and it was sort of structured similarly to just a crime thriller or an action movie, but there were enough flourishes in there that kind of elevated it above a generic action movie for me. Correct. I would, I would agree. He does, he does do some playful things with a lot of the, the tropes of the genre. Yeah. I, I liked a lot of the different camera shots. There was a car chase scene in this that i think that was really well done um there were a couple things that i wanted to see more of so basically in it they are kind of grooming him to be the ultimate criminal or the ultimate killer i guess you could say because each of these five guys has their own skill that they're that they excel at like the one guy except for one guy i don't know what the one guy's skill is which guy? The, the laughing guy? Well, the laughing guy is just, he kills people really well. He loves it. Enjoys it. He enjoys it. He's a it psychopath. So yeah, he's out of his mind. The younger guy? No, the guy that's like slightly mentally handicapped. Oh, no, he's the driver. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what Why he's good he at. Why is he the driver? How is he? Okay. Yeah, he's he's yeah. the driver. Because right. they, they right. even. was the driver. That's right. Because they do a little bit where he tells him that he taught him how to do that aggressive driving and stuff so so each of them have their own techniques and skills that they're good at and this kid ends up learning all of them so he's just this amalgamation of all these skills that a killer would use and i wanted to see a little bit more of that because like some of some of them i i didn't really get a, a glimpse at to what they were really good at like the young guy i'm not really sure what his thing was and they also mentioned yeah so a couple of the fathers aren't really fleshed out that much yeah it seems like only one of them is really fleshed out. one of them is extremely fleshed out and that's yeah he's essentially like the main character yeah besides you know the kid but the other two they're kind of fleshed out a little bit here and there and then the other two just they seem to be good at shooting people in the face well one of them is apparently (laughs) good at making weapons because they mention it at the beginning and they show that really awesome gun, but they don't, they never show, I don't know which guy that even was. And they never show him actually making weapons. And yeah. I wanted to see more of that because that, that opening scene in the subway was awesome. When he busts out that really crazy looking gun, it was a ridiculous gun. That was really cool. Uh, the guy that, that we mentioned previously was uh young, Yun Suk Kim, and you may know him from Chaser, which I liked a lot, and The Thieves, which was that kind of Ocean's Eleven-style heist movie that was a South Korean-Japanese film. I liked that a whole lot, too. Yeah, he's the he's the completely fleshed-out father. Mm-hmm. And he's awesome and he in is, this. He is disturbing. Yes. He's a disturbing man. I liked the... So the so the five fathers 
like you said, they're not really fleshed out, but they all have very distinct personalities. And I liked that. Like the one guy, like I previously mentioned, he's just laughing all the time and he's kind of just this psycho. He's just over the top and crazy. And then uh, Yun Suk Kim's character is just this straight face, no emotion on this guy whatsoever throughout yeah, the entire he's, movie. He's cold. He's a cold son of a bitch. And then the one guy, the one guy seems to be even more of a father figure. Um, I don't <laughs> know his name. That, that father doesn't. He seems more like a father, not really a part of this criminal enterprise at all. It seems like he just sort of got mixed up with them. Well, the one guy, I'm not talking about the mentally challenged guy. I'm talking about the other guy with the, the scars, the big burn scars on his arms. The guy that they always show in his in his office. Yeah, yeah, that's the guy. Okay, I, he, yeah, it doesn't seem sure. like he really does any of the, the criminal activity. Well, they did mention <laughs> at, at one point... Office. Yeah, at one point they did mention like you you weren't one of us before either. So I think that there's some sort of backstory there because they never. He's got those wicked burns, and they never. I don't think they ever got into how he got those. He probably just yeah. There's a couple of things that sort of go uh, unexplained because my guess is that he just runs that greenhouse. I don't know. And they just force their way in. Because in the beginning, the woman of the house is chained up, and then she's not chained up. But you're not really sure who the hell that woman well, is. Well, yeah, that that was the interesting <laughs> thing, because I thought that was his mom. I thought that that was Hwai's mom. And then it's revealed that that's not his mom at all. No. Nope. I thought that they kidnapped him and his mom, but... That did not happen. And but, uh, he finds out. He finds out in a roundabout way what happened, and... He goes off, which I don't. Things get interesting, which I don't know why they even did that. Like, why risk it? I don't understand it either. It just seemed seemed unnecessary. I guess money. Like I under yeah, but why have why involve him though? Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's that true. that's what I was because, questioning. Because they're just sick people. I mean, I understand that that um, Yun Suk Kim's character wanted to get him involved in the business. Yeah, this is probably not the best job to do. No, you gotta ease him in. <laughs> yeah, this is not the best job, and it kind of, you know, it backfires on him, as yeah. you see. <laughs> so basically, things happen, it backfires, and then the the film sort of revolves around him raging against his fathers. Yeah, daddy issues. There's also I wanted to ask what you thought of the the monster element of this movie because his it's like his his uh subconscious in this movie kind of manifests itself into an actual monster that we see on screen yeah the cgi for that monster was pretty good i was worried that it was going to be overused and i was happy to see that it was only really used um like two or three times yeah like three times and it's yeah it didn't overstay its welcome either sort of just popped up it conveyed the point that they wanted to convey and then it disappeared you know what i mean they didn't really spend a lot of time with it uh i thought it was kind of interesting because it was sort of the manifestation of his troubled past you know all the crazy shit that he went through as a kid Mm -hmm. the way that they treated him and it seems like it's more about him dealing with that than actually trying to find out the truth yeah i mean about his his upbringing it's interesting. It's interesting because 
Yun Suk Kim's character, his view on that idea of, of seeing the monster is completely different than probably what it really was. You know, that he, he looked at it from a different perspective and said, you see the monster, in order to make the monster go away, you have to become the monster, basically. Yeah. Whereas, I think in reality, that monster was his troubled past. It was the, the, the trauma that he went through and the fear that he had of these men that are his that are raising him as a as their father as yeah yeah but uh yeah they're they just happen to be five twisted sadistic criminals yeah for some reason raised a kid who knows why (laughs) Mm. doesn't make sense and i just i enjoyed the the cop at the end when the cop figures it out He's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> you actually raised him? I like Which, the... again, it, it backfired on. Because this this kid is really good with a sniper rifle. Yes, he is. And, man, there's the the apex of all the action. Comes down to this, you know, the two crime syndicates warring it out in a, an abandoned warehouse. And he's outside in the distance with a sniper rifle just picking people off when they come into a sight line and it was that was something else the only thing i didn't like and i don't know what how you feel about this but i have a tough time with that uh cinematography that i kind of like into like video game cutscenes with all the quick zooms in and then it zooms out and then it'll cut to the distance and then it'll zoom in again i just that took me out a couple times during the action sequences i just i'm not a fan of it I just I I don't like that style camera work. Yeah, I had a, I had a feeling that you were gonna have a problem with that, but I didn't at all. I liked it. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm guessing that that's just me. The CGI blood too was a bit much at times. Yeah, it didn't bother me that much. You need to start getting bothered by CGI well, blood. I don't want to be the only one. CGI blood does bother me quite a bit, but. If it's used sparingly, and I thought that it was used sparingly in this movie. I mean, there was a lot of squib work, and there were a lot of practical effects in this movie. So it didn't it didn't bother me that much in this in this movie. Okay, I can agree with that. So I'm I'm on board. But I thought the action was great. I mean, it was extremely bloody. Yeah, yeah. I saw a lot of blood this week in my movies. Yeah. Same here, actually. A lot of the, a lot of these Fantasia Fest movies are extremely bloody. It's all, it's all blood. I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. Uh, I'm going to give Hawaii a Monster Boy a seven out of ten. Oh my god, that's exactly what I gave it. How about that? All right. Uh, I think that'll wrap it up for our reviews. Let's go ahead and jump into some predictions. Last okay. week we said Hercules. You said 18, I said 20, actual 63. Ooh. Can you believe that? 63, really? Yep. All right. People were actually liking that one. Lucy, you said 54, I said 52, actual 59. Okay. All right. I didn't get to see Lucy this weekend, so I might see it today. I don't know yet. Next week we got a big one, Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, boy. Was that a sarca- sarcastic old boy? Oh, I don't know what it was. I'm just sick and tired of hearing about this goddamn movie. I'm, I'm extremely I just saw, I excited to, I for just, it. Like, it looks like it'll be all right. Like, it'll be a fun time and everything. I'm just... Their marketing is just so fucking unrelenting. And it's 
it starts so early mm-hmm. and it continues full on until the movie comes out and i just i can't take it anymore it's maddening it really is it's oh my god it's like it's like the fucking presidential elections these the marketing for these movies start like four years in advance they start leaking shit out i can't take it anymore I wanted to stop but well, it's not going to what are you thinking on guardians of the galaxy mm, guardians of the galaxy um this is the one with the talking raccoon Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it's got a talking mm-hmm. raccoon in it and a tree and a tree what's the tree do a tree. Uh, he's voiced by vin diesel okay is that it i think all he says is i'm groot but i'm not sure if he has <laughs> any other lines <laughs> i hope that that's all he says but he says it often throughout the movie I, it, i'm it might actually go that way i hope so currently at 100 percent on rotten tomatoes right now so that that will certainly drop but yeah, I'm going to say 88. 88? Okay. All 88. right. I'm going to say... Oh, 88's a good one. That's a good pick. I'm going to say that's, 87. That's, no. that's why I picked it. Yeah, I'll say 87. And Get On Up. I think that that's getting a wide release next week, although I'm not sure. I, I think it is. I think it is. I am going to say Get On Up gets a 52. I have never heard of this movie until yesterday. <laughs> well, the 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 guy, uh, his name is escaping me right now. But the guy playing James Chad, Brown, Ch- Chadwick, yeah, Chadwick Boseman, Ch- Chadwick Boseman, he definitely looks like and talks like James Brown. But we know from other biopics that that doesn't necessarily mean that the movie's going to be yeah, any good. Just, no, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> I, I don't think that this movie's going to be very good. No, I don't think so either. I'm going to say it's from the director of The Help. So. Oh, maybe that. I forgot about that. Maybe that'll boost it. I was thinking that it would lower it. But I guess people did like The Help, didn't oh, they? The, the Help was for nominated some... for well, that Oscars and shit. That, that doesn't mean anything. Oscars. Never yeah, but we're predicting Rotten Tomatoes scores. So. Uh, that's true. That's true. Whew. What do you say? 58? I said 52. I don't know why I spent so much time on this. 62. i didn't track her i didn't ask you what did you think of the or what do you think of the Jimi hendrix biopic oh it's terrible terrible idea andre 3000 looks exactly like him and i'm sure he does a hell of a job being Jimi hendrix but if you can't use hendrix's music don't even fucking make the movie yeah there's no point to it why why would you do that yep i thought that that would be your sentiment because you're are you still a big fan of Jimmy? I, I am a big fan. I do. I am annoyed by how the, the family takes care of his work. They just hoard that shit and try and make as much money as possible off of it. It's unfortunate. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> uh, limited release next week. We have Cabin Fever Patient Zero. I did Ooh. not like that very much. Cavalry. I really want to see Cavalry. Yeah, that played at Sundance. I didn't get a chance to see it, but... I. Looks interesting. Child of God, which is what's the that? that that's the James Franco one. Oh yeah, that's right. The uh what's his name? The guy that wrote The Road. Oh McCarthy. Yeah. Cormac, Cormac McCarthy. Cormac McCarthy. I saw a trailer for this. It uh, I'm interested in it, but it didn't get very good reviews, so I don't I don't know. And finally Rich Hill is also in limited release. I do want to see that. It's a documentary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, next week mm-hmm. on Video On Demand, we have Red Lines, War Story, 
Enter the Dangerous Mind, and Factor Fiction, The Life and Times of a Ping Pong Hustler. <laughs> I will be seeing that Factor Fiction movie. That looks funny. Oh, looks boy. interesting. Oh, boy. Next week on DVD and Blu-ray, we have Cuban Fury. That kind of came and went, didn't it? That I mean, that, that just, did, it didn't even play theaters around no, it, like it nationwide. Came out, it came out, like I heard about it, and then it just completely fell off the face of the earth. Yeah. I don't know. Must not be very good. It felt like Love, Lullaby, Noah. That was a quick turnaround on Noah. Yeah. I feel like that, that was true. just in theaters. The Protector 2 and Twin Peaks, The Entire Mystery. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Any, I think there's at least one criterion. There is one criterion. That's the big chill. Big chill. Coming out. Hitting criterion. Dual format. I was never into casting. the big chill. Were, were you into the, did you see the big chill? I don't think I've seen, I don't think I've seen the big chill. I I probably give it a shot. That's one of those things, one of those movies where I think the soundtrack was probably better than the actual movie. Speaking yeah. of which I was This here. is just one of those Seems like one of those snapshots. Snapshots of an era. Yeah. 1983. It was huge. It was a huge, huge movie. It's huge. got a ridiculous cast. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't ridiculous. like it. Did not like it. A but, lot of people that I don't like. But I think uh, I think I want to rewatch it at some point and see if I have changed my view on it. Because I remember I saw it when I was a lot younger. I was probably like 13. And I do remember there's a scene where Glenn Close, you, you see Glenn Close's boobs in it. <laughs> and I remember being uh, a little disturbed by that. <laughs> you were not you were not a fan of that? No, no. Back when you were younger? I was not. <laughs> uh, she used to be a leading lady. Yeah, yeah. A lot of questionable decisions. Made did, throughout the history of cinema. Did you also hear the announcement that Boyhood is getting a Criterion release? Oh, yeah. I knew that was happening right from the outset. Most of those IFC films come out on Criterion. Mm. And, I mean, they have all the other Link, Link Later movies, so you knew it was coming. Yeah. At least I did, because I'm an insider. Well, it's just like <laughs> knowing that Grand Budapest Hotel is going to get a Criterion release and waiting for it. Not buying the Blu-ray because I know that it's going to happen. Yeah, they they wait until everyone buys up. Right. The first. That's version. what they did with Fantastic Mr. Fox. Fucking dicks. Anyway, tons uh, of jerk moves. I think that that will wrap it up for the day. Send us your questions to podcastfilmpulse.net. We'll be sure to answer them on the show. Follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And be sure to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. For filmpulse.net, my name's Adam. And I'm Kevin. And we'll see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches a Movie. Well, as a child, I mostly spoke inside my head. I had conversations with the clouds, the dogs, the dead. And they thought me broken, that my tongue was coated lead. But I just couldn't make my words make sense to them. If you only listen with your it's too simplistic of a view, you know, having, it, oh my goodness.